You see, we don't see the early church gathering on the streets singing to witness. Actually, the early church, when they wanted to witness, or as they witnessed, they would gossip about the Lord Jesus. They would heal the sick. They would raise the dead. That's what a radical church does. So how does a church witness radically by singing? To deal with this, I want, you to, I want to ask a question, which I might answer as we go through. Are God's promises frustrated by God's people? Does our sin prevent God's promises? You see, if you read the Old Testament, the answer would appear to be yes. Genesis 1 to 2 there are amazing promises that God gives. He says to Adam and Eve, he creates them in his image to bear his image. He says, now fill the earth with people like you who will bear my image and fill the earth. But by Genesis 3, God's image bearers have sinned. They weren't representing what God was like. And as you go through Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus, all all through. It seems that time after time, God's people frustrate God's promises. They sin, they get it wrong, they are weak and feeble. So for us, we face it. Does our limit do our limitations? Does our sinfulness, does our frailty? prevent God's promises? Is it actually a case where God is looking for a better people before the promises can come about? The people of God at the time of Isaiah would have felt this. They were at the sharp edge of getting it wrong. Already they'd seen the kingdom of Israel uh, being defeated by enemies, taken away to exile, and really are out of the story forever. The two remaining tribes who were the kingdom of Judah were surrounded by enemies who were going to ultimately, God had said to them, you are going to go into exile. And the prophet Isaiah comes to them and says, regarding this question, does the weakness of God's people, does their frailty, does their sinfulness prevent God's promise? He comes and says this to them, sing This is Isaiah 54. Sing, O barren one who did not bear. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not been in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than the children of her who is married, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent and let the curtains of your habitation be stretched out. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. For you will spread abroad to the right and to the left, and your offspring will possess the nations and will people the desolate cities. Fear not, for you will not be ashamed. Be not confounded, for you will not be disgraced. For you will forget the shame of your youth and the reproach of your widowhood. You will remember no more. Sorry, the reproach of your widowhood. You will remember no more. For your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. And the Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer, the God of the whole earth he is called. Sing. 
Now, I need to start off with a, a warning, a, a comment. This is not about childlessness. I have friends who struggle to have children, who seem to have not be able to conceive. I pray for these friends. And if today that's an issue for you, we want to pray with you. We want to stand with you. We want to fast with you because childlessness is a big issue. It's just not the issue that this particular passage is addressing. The issue was not that somehow Israel uh, was not able to produce children or Judah was not able to produce children. It says of them, they're like uh, an unmarried woman. They couldn't bear children because they were abandoned. God sort of either likens them to uh, a widow or a spinster. No chance. And at the end, the promise is, I will be your husband. So this passage is not saying to people in Israel or Judah who were having trouble bearing children, you're to sing. This was singing to the people of saying to the people of God, you who have failed signally throughout all of history to be the people of God that you are called to be, now sing, because God is going to intervene. Are God's promises frustrated by God's people? Yes, until God steps in. And a few chapters later, it says this about the Lord Jesus. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteousness, righteous, and he will bear their iniquities. The many, the work of the Lord Jesus was going to produce many who were righteous. For some of you, the reason that you're here today is to hear this, because actually the story of your life, the promise that is within you, is never going to come to fruit until you step in with your creator and say, I can't do this. Some of you want the story of your life to be, I did it. I was successful. But many of you know the story of your life is, yes, there was promise, but I keep falling short. Maybe you're here today when God is stretching out a hand saying, let me step into your story and change things for you. Today can be a new beginning. So God fulfills his promises by supernatural intervention. Your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. And the Holy One of Israel is your redeemer. The God of the whole earth he is called. God's people will produce many of his image bearers because of God's miraculous intervention. And this is a cause for singing. God's people are going to be very fruitful. There will be a radical witness because God has promised it. Therefore, sing. Now, you might be saying, well, hang on. Can you take a promise that was clearly directed to an Old Testament nation and somehow squeeze it into us? Very few of us, if any, will be ethnic Jews. So can we say this promise? Or was it just a question of you've misapplied the text? Well, if you turn to Galatians, Paul wrote to the people of Galatia and he quoted this Isaiah passage. So uh, Galatians 4, 26 to 28. There you go. But the Jerusalem above is free and she is our mother. 
For it is written, Rejoice, O barren one who does not bear. Break forth and cry aloud, You who are not in labour, for the children of the desolate one will be more than those of the one who has a husband. He goes on to say, Now you, brothers and sisters, are like Isaac, children of promise. See, God has a template for his people in heaven. He works to that template to produce it on earth. And the template God has for us as part of the people of God is very fruitful. So we sing because God's faithfulness is greater than our failure. We can look at the church in the New Testament or the church in China or South Africa or many African countries where the gospel is increasing hugely. And we can assume that maybe their success is something to do with God's promises and something to do with them. But God is not looking for better Christians because God has better promises. And this is why we sing. Now, how about you? Have you led anyone to Jesus? I have. But it was so long ago It was so long ago, it was decades ago. Have you blown it as a Christian? Then sing, because your performance is not the decider. The children of the desolate one will be more than those of those who has a husband. For you brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise. We have to sing before we see. The nature of prophecy is not that you sing once it's there. It's so important. So often we think, well, when God does something more, then I will rejoice. But the people of God are to rejoice before they see it. We sing. So that the prophecy to Jerusalem was to sing, even though they're about to go out into exile. We sing before we see. So you might say to yourself, I, I don't think I'm capable of witnessing and bringing anyone to know the Lord Jesus. Sing. Because there's a promise over your life that is bigger than your knowledge of your inability. We sing before we see. Sorry, my PowerPoint just died. We sing because the world has a glorious destiny. Not only are there promises over our lives, not only are there promises over the people of God, But the world has glorious promises. Isaiah goes on to say, The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. Not only are the people of God to sing, but there's an appointment for singing for the whole world because God's purposes include the whole world. I don't know whether you remember the, uh, the film that was out. I was amazed how long ago this film came out. It's one of the marks of becoming old is that things seem to happen in your mind last year and you discover it was a long time ago. Do you remember The King's Speech? Do you remember the film The King's Speech? Yes, good, good. So the, the story of The King's Speech is that King George, uh, he was the second brother. He was not due to be king until Edward VIII abdicated, and suddenly this man who didn't like being in the public eye and had a really bad stutter was forced to make speeches, and it was, in, it was embarrassing. 
And he went eventually to a speech therapist who taught him two things to help him speak. Personally, one of them is not one I would advocate for the church of God. One of them was that he didn't stutter when he swore. Now, I didn't feel there was a great application for us as a people of God. But the other thing he taught them was, you don't stutter when you sing. I want to apply this to us. Because our stuttering witness as the people of God is so much when our eyes are on us. Well, I'm not very good at witnessing. I don't find it easy. I'm not an outgoing person. I'm not extrovert. But I've looked And I have wanted to find it. But God's promise for fruitfulness is not to extroverts. Believe me, if it was there, I would have found it. I'm an introvert. It would have made me so happy. But no, God has called us in our stuttering witness to sing of the promises of God. Because you don't stutter when you sing. But you sing before you speak. God's promises are on us. I fail and have failed. So does that mean that's who I am? No, no. The promise of God is greater than my missed opportunities. The promise of God is better than my nervousness. The promises of God are better when I have spoken and it's come out all there. God has promised fruitfulness over his people. We have to vocalise the impossible And singing promises gives us a language for a life of faith. All week, we we are experts on ourselves, And God is calling us to understand and inhabit the promises. As we sing these songs of worship, as we sing songs of promise, God is giving us a vocabulary, a language for the life that we are supposed to lead. And sometimes it feels really uncomfortable. We are singing stuff and thinking... I don't know that that's my experience. That's okay. We sing the truth of impossible lives because that's what God is doing and he gives us a vocabulary to live in. As long as we see ourselves through the lens of our performance, we will stay where we are. God wants to teach us the language of faith and we learn this language by singing. Sing, O barren one who did not bear. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not been in labor, for the children of the desolate one will be more than the children of her who is married, says the Lord. I don't know yet a song with those words. I think we need one. I think we need songs that say, people of God, you have exploits to do that seem impossible to you. Maybe someone needs to write them. We sing in the wreckage of our failure that failure is not our story. Our lives are meant to count. So what do we sing? We sing of the faithfulness of God. Paul writes, now you brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise. God's promises are not diluted by time, denied by failure, displaced by weakness, defeated by circumstances, deflected by difficulties, deterred by opposition, damaged by disappointment, but are determined by his faithfulness, which focuses favour, freedom, fruitfulness and fullness further than we can possibly imagine. 
There's a preacher in the United States, and uh, he sometimes brings a point that he's really excited by, and he gets a reaction like I just got. So what he does, he then turns the other side of the congregation and repeats his point. There's a clue here. God's promises are not diluted by time, denied by failure, displaced by weakness, defeated by circumstances, deflected by difficulties, deterred by opposition, damaged by disappointment, but are determined by his faithfulness, which focuses favour, freedom, fruitfulness and fullness further than we could possibly imagine. We've got to sing these songs. I'm not after a response. Yes, I am. But actually, I want that response on a Monday morning. As we step into places of historic disappointment, we sing the promises of God. It would be so easy if you were going to start a new job tomorrow. That yes, with a new job becomes new opportunities. Very few, if any of you, are starting a new job tomorrow. If you are, God bless you. But most of us are where we were last Monday. But the promise of God rests on us. God didn't choose us because he saw in us something that he could use. Rather, he focused the promises of God on us that we could become like him. There is a period of time between the promise being received and the promise being seen. And that is the time for singing. We need to act out of promise and not act out of who we think we are. I was at a conference uh, for New Ground. We are, as a church, a part of a, a group of churches called New Ground. And those of you who have been to these kind of things, uh, you know that if you've got a word, you have to, it's a, big con- it's a big meeting place. And if you're sensible, you sit near the front. So if you walk up and have to walk back, it's not too far. And really, if you're a little bit cynical, which I'm not, if you're going to bring a word, you make sure that the person who's anchoring the meeting knows you. Because if you bring a word and they don't know you, it's embarrassing. So I I had this argument with God, because God said to me, I want you to bring this. I said, but God, look who's leading, look who's anchoring. If I go up there, I'll stand up there for a while looking sheepish, and then walk the walk of shame back. And I've sat far too near the back, and it's going to be really obvious. So we had this argument for a while, and in the end, God said to me, you've got to act out of the favour that is on your life, not act out of who you think you are. So I got up, shared my word with the anchor, stood around looking sheepish for a while, and then walked back to my seat. The likelihood of success should not determine how we act. God is calling us to the impossible. So we have this choice to live out of the favour we think we have or we can live out of the favour God has given us. Singing is vital in this. Sing, O barrenman. If Sarah and Abraham had lived out of the favour they thought they had, Isaac would not have been born. I'm trying to be delicate here. Isaac, the son of Abraham and Sarah, was not born by unnatural means he was a miracle child but this child was born the same way that every other child was born I have this feeling that maybe this is why God called Abraham and Sarah to live in tents because I think in their 90s if Abraham and Sarah having children meant going upstairs 
it might never have happened. But fortunately, they were on the, de- on the ground floor. <laughs> Don't you get these thoughts in your quiet? Oh, okay, I, I do. It's God's provision. No stairs. I want Isaac to be born. But they had to keep doing what had not seemed to work, believing that the promise of God was on them. You know, there are Isaacs of impossible Isaacs for your life. And it won't be by going to a new job, and it won't by becoming a new you, but it's by you inhabiting the promises of God. We need to sing. What do we sing? We need to sing the promises of God, the faithfulness of God. I was at a prayer meeting on Friday, and the picture was given about God unbinding bandages. And some of you will remember a really old film, even by my standards, is The Inn of the Eighth Happiness, Gladys Aylward. Gladys Aylward was a missionary in China, and for a while she was employed by the Chinese government to go from village to village to teach them not to bind up their children's feet. So the idea, the, the concept of beauty in China at the time was small, small feet. Uh, small feet were beautiful. So they used to take their baby children and they would wrap bandages really, really tightly around their feet so that the children's feet wouldn't grow and they would walk around on stunted feet. And God spoke to us. And what, so what her call was, was to teach them this is not good and release the bindings that were stunting their children's feet. And God spoke to us on Friday about releasing the bindings that stunt us as Christians. Now, have you been waiting for a long time for God's promises to come about? Take off the bindings of disappointment. For you, brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise. If your story is one of failure, we come and sing God's faithfulness because his faithfulness is greater than our failure. For you, brothers like Isaac, our children of promise. Maybe your story is one of weakness or bad circumstances. Maybe it's difficulties or opposition or disappointment for you brothers, like Isaac, our children of promise. We're going to call the band up now. I want you to, we're going to sing together, but I also want you to worship And if that's you, if you know that your life has been marked out by waiting and seemingly endless waiting, if it's been disappointment, if it's been failure, if it's been unfacing difficulties, if it's opposition, if it's disappointment, will you sing today of the faithfulness of God and let the bindings of your struggles, your stuntedness come off as we proclaim the faithfulness of God? The church has a radical witness when it sings the promises of God. Amen.